Welcome to MTZ Overflow Podcast. You've just finished listening to the sermon. Now let's get into the overflow. We're glad you're here. No, you don't look black. <laughs> black I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> See how they do me, y'all? Just... <laughs> uh, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I haven't done it. Um, I don't know. I, I think like my mom's done it like in small little batches, but it has never been like a big production type. Thing. I never, we never did it. Yeah. My mom never participated, you know. Mm-hmm. We've been saved most of our lives, so we don't believe in no luck. Right. Oh, okay. We believe in grace, and people think that stuff is like luck. Mm. But my mom always said, don't go into that new year with no dirty clothes in that. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying. You gotta clean, wash all the Wash all them clothes, better be clean before that new year get here. Clean the whole house, <laughs> spotless. Everything. Right. It's real. So that's exciting. Well, since we have two guests today, we'll just dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to MTZ Overflow Podcast. We have Reverend Dr. Marcus Allen what up, what up? today. And we have Minister Richard L. Jones Jr. today. Oh, the whole year dig. I didn't say what the L is. What is the L? Uh, Lance. Lance? Oh, I thought you were about to say Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> but they called him Leroy. <laughs> Bruce Leroy at that. Yes. <laughs> Leroy. So today we're going to be talking about um, the last sermon of 2022 that brought us into 2023. Uh, part of the sermon series, I Want to Live. Is that right? No, the sermon series is just live. Oh, the sermon series is live, but the... Yeah, so okay. every month it'll be a different... Live? Live. Okay. So um, this month is live for Jesus. Okay. Next month is live for justice. Um, March will be going to the um, Lent season, so it's going to live... Something with the blood. Um, May and June, I haven't decided yet. Mm-hmm. Working on that. July is going to be um, Live Mentally Free. Oh, for Mental Health Month. For Minority Mental Health Month. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know September yet. October is going to be um, f- focusing on debt. Living trying to debt live in debt free. You feel what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and then living thankfully in November, and then um, still debating December. So, okay. so it's a theme. Just live is just gonna be the ultimate theme for the entire year. Yeah. So what? Um, live, 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 live. <laughs> that wasn't the th- song I thought you were going to sing. Uh, but anyway, um, how do you go about setting up your plan for the vision for the year? All right. So um. Starting probably October, I just start fasting and praying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just looking at areas, um, people's lives, right? Yeah. Because I'm often hearing stories that other people might not hear about the members of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at life outside of church and then just um, allow the Lord to speak to me. And say, hey, what what is, um, what's pressing for the people? What should we be doing um, each year? Yeah. And this year, um, I prayed and I just heard one word, and it was live. Mm. Uh, it just somehow just kept, it just kept coming to me, live, live, and um, that's what I want us to do: um, live boldly, live courageous, and live on purpose. That's what. Uh, uh, Dr. Carolyn Knight, uh, she often posts on her, her uh, hashtag, 
live on purpose. So that might be a sermon series one month. Uh, I'm going to have to text her and let her know or see if I can use that if she yeah. hasn't, um, um, was that franchised or um, trademarked, trademarked um, yeah. that phrase. But that's just um, every year, um, one of, and towards the end of the year, just start praying for the next year. God, what direction should we be going in? What what should we be doing? And live was just the one word that I received from. Him. That's awesome. So, Richard, you are you are a minister within Mount Zion. Now, that's pastor's vision for the church. How do you plan your mind, your service, kind of either around that and support of that? How like how do you prep for the church vision? That's a good question. So I do same thing, right? Praying, fasting, asking God. Um, and I know that it's right because it every year it lines up with exactly what Pastor mm-hmm. is talking about, you know? And so I will already ask God, like, where you want me to go, what you want me to do? Um, and then, you know, being an associate minister, you got to wait a minute, you know, because mm-hmm. you can't just run with a vision. We got to be going in the same direction. And so I wait and talk to Pastor. And every year, I'm like, ah, okay, right? And mm-hmm. so it might not be the exact same words, but it's the exact same focus. And okay. so um, for uh, the youth and young adults, the focus this year is worship is the move, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the title. Um, and when we think about worship, we think about, like, Sunday morning. We think mm-hmm. about music, right? We think about the performance of worship. And worship is really a lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. It's about how you live, right? Um, and living to give God glory. And so um, it's the same vision, uh, different words. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so you talked about kind of being together in alignment. Um, you both tag-teamed the sermon, which is pretty awesome and impressive. Uh, so the passage is, is Luke 8, 40 through 46. Um, either of you, I'll give it to either of you, kind of talk to us about what's going on in the text. Where are we? Luke is a doctor, lawyer. Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke. Physician. Physician? Yeah. Like humans, animals? MD. Can you write prescriptions? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty. Go medical, ahead, medical doctor. Go ahead, Dr. Luke. So do you want to expand on who? Nah, go ahead. <laughs> Continue. No, no, I meant like expand. Where we're at, Luke 8. Oh, okay. In, in the particular. In this particular. Pericolope. 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 You know, it says a new word for me. Um, what's, what's going on? Um, again, um, we're in the Gospels, so the Gospels are pretty much the story of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic Gospels, which means they're telling the story pretty much the same. They have many of the same stories. John is a Gospel pretty much by itself. He, John is considered as the revelator, mm-hmm. and so he tells some different stories, but all of them have like different objectives. Um, Luke is speaking to a Jewish audience, right? Um, telling them about Jesus Christ and Jesus is um, doing miracles he's changing lives and what's going on here in this particular text is that Luke has I mean Jesus has um, been doing healings um, he go across the um, the sea go to the other side they meet this man that is demon possessed Jesus cast the demons out of the man and going to the pigs and the people get upset and they tell Jesus go back. Jesus goes back to the other side of the sea and when he gets off the boat they're walking and then they have this encounter um, with um, Jairus who has a sick girl, at least a dead girl and then it's a sick woman. So those two characters in the text that we really focus on uh, for the sermon. Yeah. Um I highly suggest, hopefully you listened to the sermon prior to coming to this uh, podcast, but listen to it again, because the way that you two played off of each other was really great. You challenged me in a different way of listening and taking notes and following along. And yes, so thank you for continuing to, to challenge those of us who may have been in a routine of how sermons had been presented to then now have to think a bit differently yeah we was um it was something i was like yo let's try something different um richard agreed to preach um 
that's all he agreed to was to preach. <laughs> Facts only. And, and then I was like, yo, let's uh, let's do it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's try something different. Um, and I think it was, uh, no, Holy Spirit did what it had to do. Uh, we, we didn't write it together. Uh, we we outlined okay. it together, though. Okay. We, we came together, read the text, looked at the outline of it, developed the uh, transitions uh, within the sermon together, and then we just went and put it put it together and came back, and it and it worked. Um, MJ was like, "Man, that was so good, Dad." No, that's my son. Mm-hmm. As if he didn't hear us preach it the day before. Right, earlier that day. It was that day. <laughs> that was Saturday morning. Yeah, so on New Year's Eve that morning, we uh we ran through it. Yeah. To see how it flowed and everything, and he upstairs. He's like, oh, I wasn't paying attention. I was on TikTok the whole time. Wow! But but afterwards, he was like, "That was cool, all that junk." But it was um, yeah. So we made sure that it was everything was tight. You know, we just weren't getting up there and speaking mm-hmm. or preaching from different point of views on the same particular thing. So we made sure that everything was in line that way, and it, it seemed to work. Yep, definitely. And I reading the text. Um, as I've always read it, it has been the woman with the issue of blood. That is what is always pulled out. And then we have Jarius and his own, he's going through his own thing too. So um, what I want you all to do, and you can disagree and I'll pivot, but <laughs> as you've spoken um, during- Hold up. Ser- I know you about, um, you better not say nothing feminist or womanist. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got yet. a feeling you going to not that. Yet. Not yet. Okay, no, no, go no, ahead. No, no, go no, ahead. No. No, 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 no. Uh, I just know how she is. I'm not talking about no no womanist or feminist or whoever you are. I love everybody, but I just know how I just, CT I, is. I just want to make sure that our women have a place in the space. Okay. Go ahead. So how how you both kind of split it up where. Richard, you talked about the woman with the issue of blood, and you talked about Darius. I want to ask you, go through these points, but I want you to fully be the vantage point of that person. All right. Does, it, or does that sound like a yeah, good that's, idea? That's how we preached it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From both, from, yeah. I don't know. You brought in, you know, the woman at the end, so I don't, I don't really know, but. We well, had to close. Anyway. <laughs> But Hater no, in the house. <laughs> that is how you preach it. That's why I want to like, go ahead. like, kind of separate it a bit more because it all came to one. So like, but the way that it bounced, you had a point, then you had some points, and then you had points. So like, so as we're looking at the first point about gotta be, ha- gotta be desperate for Jesus. Uh, I wanted to ask you both first, like, did you ever feel desperate over the past year? Every day. Every day, every day, I I have to set myself to need Jesus more than anything, because mm. I never know what type of phone call I'm gonna get in the morning. For real, I I never know if my family gonna go through something, uh, my uh, my internal family, my church family, some need that I have to meet, somebody in the community. Uh, need something from me or going through something. So every day I set myself uh, to be desperate for him. <laughs> I have to. Because yeah. uh, if, if not, if I encounter a situation that's unfamiliar and un- uncertain to me, I'll fold. Mm. And so I've learned this a long time ago that if I'm in constant desperation for Jesus, right, um, he's always there. But you got to set that hunger, right? Yeah. Uh, the Bible says, they who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. So you have to have that hunger where you're seeking God, where you say, yo, I can't make it without you. And no matter how much, I, I've been pre- preaching 25 years, right? Um, I probably can get in the pulpit and just read a text and preach from that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to just do that. Yeah. Because um, I want to be in. I want to ensure what I'm doing is aligned with the Holy Spirit that's touching the people which I'm preaching to. So every day I set myself to seek after the Lord in desperation, mm-hmm. not casually, mm-hmm. right, but in desperation. Yep. 
um, <clears throat> in the same type of lens, right? I get up every morning and I see a gap between my capabilities and what I'm called to do, right? And there's this area in between, right? I can't do it on my own, right? I'm smart, but I'm not smart enough, right? I care, but like I don't have all of the tools, the pieces, and the resources just by myself, right? I got to depend on God every day. Because like Pastor said, you don't know what's going to happen, right? And being in leadership, people are dependent on you, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're looking at you. Um, there, are, there are more people in my life who need me to be present, right, than vice versa, right? And so I got to be not only prepared for what's happening in my own life, but what's happening in the lives of others, you know? And so, like, getting up in the morning and having that prayer and devotional time is crucial like i gotta have that you know what i'm saying because that's where um i get my heart and mind focused on the lord that's where i pray and ask him to reveal things to me right mm-hmm. um I, I i gotta be desperate every single day because god has entrusted me to lead and if i'm not seeking after what he wants if i'm not allowing him to feel me i'm a i'm gonna lead people astray and and for me you know last year you know my, my grandma passed away mm-hmm. it was like super hard Cause I like love that lady, still do. Um, she's you known the matriarch of our family. She like the rock of the family. Been through um, Jim Crow. Been through the nasty South. Um, just her struggle through life to make sure her kids. She had nine kids. Had everything they needed. Eight girls. Raised eight girls. What? <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> no, yes, hey, hey, don't do that. I got daughters, okay? I feel it. I am a daughter. <laughs> Y'all good? It's hard until you get grown. Once you get grown, you good, but don't do tr- me. It's the truth. Go ahead, Doc. It's the truth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she raised eight girls, and, and um, for me to stand and preach her eulogy, it was um, it was tough. And then a few months later, at least then, like the next week, my, my cousin's husband died. And then a few months later, uh, my cousin was murdered in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was it was a lot of moments for that that absolute desperation. But when you set patterns, you don't have to reset yourself when tragic events take place. Mm-hmm. When you set patterns, okay, yeah, every Wednesday to noon, Wednesday midnight to noon, I'm fasting. So you're already in tune with the fasting regiment or every morning I'm making sure I'm praying and journaling, uh, reading my Bible. Um, you don't have to adjust as much when you already have a regiment in place when traumatic events come. Personal traumatic events. You feel what I mean? Yeah. And and so that that that's so you, you being desperate every day um puts you in a position of humility. So I need you. I can't make it without you. Yeah. Do you think that the woman with the issue of blood and Jarius had a pattern? I don't know. I only know about this moment. Mm-hmm. Jairus was the ruler of the synagogue. So he was known, he should know some of um, biblical traditions, Old Testament. So he was responsible for that. He was a man of high prestige and power and authority you know people knew him in the community Mm -hmm. um and so he understood who jesus was and so he set himself to be desperate for him that's you know in the sermon it's like yo this grown man falls to his knees and bows before another man and at this point jesus is not not considered as the rabbi or the one in a the savior or the Christ, he's only a man that's conducting miracles. Mm-hmm. And Jairus, ruler of the synagogue, responsible for the church, is on his knees in front of him. That's desperation. That's humility. And I think um, both of us, you know, we look at the text. Not only Jairus was very much so um, desperate for him. So you can speak to the one with the issue of blood. Yeah, so she was very desperate you know um you look at the text and you can even look at it um in in uh matthew you can look at it in mark but she was very desperate she tried everything uh she went to different 
physicians. She went to different doctors, um, and nobody was able to help, right? Um, I, th- I believe it was in uh, Matthew uh, that the writers pretty much said that the doctors made it worse, right, mm-hmm. as, 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 as time went on. And um, you imagine being like struggling with like a menstrual cycle for 12 years right like it's, it's not even a cycle right it's a new normal right just consistent bleeding right all the other things that come with it the cramps the ups and downs right like the body pains right for 12 straight years she tried 12 years everything that she could uh every every uh different instance we see in the synoptic gospels she's lost all of her resources right, right? Yeah. Like, right. She could have she could have had money. She could have been poor. Either way, we know she poor at this moment, right? So she was very desperate. She gave everything she had. So, in this this is where pastors need to get on me. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so in this moment of desperation, this woman has given up, and she can't do anything else. She she's. Um, She's depleted her resources and all of that. So I, as a woman, and I think other women will feel this way too, we don't ever feel that we can do that. It would be almost as if we would have to continue with the issue and maybe, you know, you do want to reach out to Jesus and be like, this is my last resort, but also you've done everything else. How is this going to help? So what do you say to those women that may feel like I don't I don't have the space to even try to give up or mm. to speak out my own desperation I believe that um, men feel that way too right I can't speak for all men right but um, the need to feel like I, I don't have room to quit to fail to fall apart right like in my desperation like I still have to press forward um i think that's a human thing right and at the same time she pivoted her focus towards uh, and, and her hope and her faith towards jesus right um i'm always amazed at the people that we see in the bible who um were walking on the earth the same time jesus was and saw him for who he was and was like willing right to 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 put their faith in this physical human being that's in front of them, right? Um, because this is it's actually incredible. Um, but she had faith that he was the answer, um, and she, that's what she pressed for, right? It's one thing to be desperate, but to put that desperation towards Jesus is a whole nother thing. What, what was your question again? Um, my question was, what do you say to women that feel that they cannot give up, even if they do, even if they are desperate? They cannot give up? Yeah, they feel that they can't. There's too much depending on them. It's riding on this. They may be physically failing, but they have to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. like Richard said, it's still, um, and, and I hate the phrase, when you've tried everything else, try Jesus. But it often happens, right? People try everything else. And then they come to Jesus. I say try Jesus first. And then allow Jesus to allow you to navigate your other choices. You feel what I mean? Um, I, I, I say even no no matter what, what in life. And, and no, the woman is super strong, especially the black woman. I can't, I, that's, what, that's what I know best. I'm sorry to any other nationality, but I know the black woman best because I have a black mother and a black wife. And black daughters, right? So, <laughs> you had to think about it. Yeah, help me. You even you try to help me, you just looked at me crazy. Like you better say it, and I was like, okay. Um, See, that was help. But, <laughs> but um, even like, like the pain threshold, thrust or level, mm-hmm. doctors failing to give black women the appropriate medication for the pain because they say they can handle more. And I believe my grandmother was epitome of that. You know what I'm saying? That She hated the hospital. And she never wanted to go. And she always wanted to provide for her family. And then you look at the black woman um, where we see that um, 67 to 70% 
of African-American households are single parent, mm -hmm. and often that parent is the woman. Um, and so they have to work jobs and take on the, the load of parenting separately. My wife leave once a weekend and I struggle. <laughs> once a month for two two days. You feel me? <laughs> but so I commend the women and especially those who who um you know have that tenacity. But you don't have to do it hopefully you don't have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Um or that mother, that woman who desired to be a mother and who have who have had to deal with miscarriages or stillborn births carry the baby full term and and um but i witness that even through that god can still give you the desire of your heart in it and um it's a couple at the church i ain't gonna call their name they everybody i know who i'm talking about but i ain't gonna call their name um every time you know they had two children after the all they've been through and and it's just remarkable to me how God allowed, does certain things, uh, or it, it's just you know being that having still having that tenacity, still trusting God, mm -hmm. no matter what continues to happen. And I think um, I think the black woman is is a very um, vivid example of what strength looks like. Yeah, yeah that's good. We are, um, and then. So we talk about pressing and like moving through. There's this crowd around Jesus. I'm, let's say crowds like a hundred people. And you have this woman coming from presumably behind Jesus and Jairus. I say Jairus. Somebody, some say Jairus. I say Jairus. You know? So J-R. J. J-Man. J-Man. J-Russ. So he's next to Jesus or close. So somewhere in his like peripheral where he can like see him but i would say he's next because they're walking together okay okay close so they're pressing their way th through this how does that obviously visually it looks very different woman coming from let's say the back of the crowd through versus someone who is next so how what is pressing like for for both of those people how, how different are they because is, the, is there an emotional press, press that's happening? I was thinking of Darius and like his stature, as you mentioned earlier, status, I should say, uh, how he's on his knees in front of Jesus. So there's maybe that press right. of, of that. And, and so that's a good point that you bring up because um, he was a man mm -hmm. and he was a part of the church. So he had direct access to Jesus. I never saw that. Thank you, CT. You're welcome. Um, and, and it shows us all that when we're already connected to Jesus, we can come in front of Jesus. Mm. Mm. That's good. We don't have to sneak behind him. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who do not who, who 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 do not have that relationship with him, so they're trying to sneak behind him. They have to press through the crowd. Jairus only had to fall down his knees and worship. Because he has a connection with God because he's already connected to the church. Yeah. And so that's... Man, uh, that was good. <laughs> that was real good. You, 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 so he his pressing was different. Mm -hmm. um, I'll let Richard speak to her pressing. But his pressing is, I'm coming to you. I'm in front of you. I'm going to fall down. Even though people may look at me crazy, I'm going to worship you. But because I know who God is already, I know something about you mm. that God must be in you. Mm -hmm. So come check on my sick daughter. Yep. And if you put your hand on her, she'll be made well. That was his pressing. Mm. But that's because he already had the knowledge. He already had the relationship. So he didn't have to press through the crowd as the woman with the issue of blood. That was good, Doc. That was real good. Good. That was a good look. Good lead. Right there. Good lead. Good lead. Okay. Oh, okay. She, that's how she do. That's how we do. That's how we do. <laughs> and she, she get these crazy looks, but then I find out the, the good way into it. That was that D Way Lebron right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, with the woman's pressing in the scripture, right? I kind of 
see it two different ways, and I haven't completely decided which one I think is actually happening, um, mainly because there's not enough information in the text to tell us, mm. right? So she either, either way, she did what she had to do to get to Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what her pressing looked like. Um, it was maneuvering the crowd. So <laughs> on, on one hand, she could have done what we probably all kind of like en envisioned, right? Um, there are people moving, and she's, like, ducking between people, and she's saying, you know, mm -hmm. excuse me, excuse me, right? She might crawl through somebody's legs if she had to, right? Yeah. Did what she had to do to physically get there, right? There's this other look and this other potentiality that um, people got out of her way, right? So now if you look in, uh, like, Levitical law, you look in Leviticus, um, uh, women – while they are on their uh, menstrual cycle and they are going through that 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 phase of their period, right? Um, they were deemed ceremoniously unclean, right, mm -hmm. and had to physically leave the town and go in this area for a certain amount of time before they could come back, right? And so there is a possibility that she used that to clear people away from her because oh. on, th there's a there's a lot in the Old Testament about. Um, not touching unclean things, mm, right? Mm. So there's, uh, and this was something that me and my dad talked about. He said maybe she just walked through and said unclean, unclean. Oh, just kind of like a, instead of like, excuse me, excuse me, it's unclean, unclean, unclean. And people just got up out her way, mm. right? Um, and so, but either way, regardless of how you look at that in the text, um, she had to do what she had to do to get there. You know what I'm saying? And so continue with that thought of the unsaved needing to kind of come from the back, right? Like you have to find your way to Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Some people won't come into the church because they feel like um, they have church hurt or they don't want to be seen or they don't want people to know their business. And so um, they don't feel like they have that access, right? Um People don't realize you can call on the name of Jesus yeah. wherever you are, right? Now, you still should come to church. We, that, that's a whole nother piece for a whole nother day, right? <laughs> um, um, but it was, it was her faith was fuel to get her there, right? And it's the same thing with our salvation, right? It's not our works. It's our faith that mm. gets us access to them. You know what I'm saying? And so um, that is what the pressing should look like. No, that's really good to, to see it from both of those vantage points of pressing because we do, even if we do have access or if we don't have access, we still, we can still call on the name of the Lord. And I think at times religion creates those barriers of the clean, unclean, you can come in, you cannot, are you baptized, are you not, are you, I won't speak on any other religions, but like just kind of those like separations that end up being created that would um, deem someone not worthy to be um, with Jesus. And but what what these two also exemplify and the third point is faith in the process. And thinking back more like reading the text and, and this conversation here about who touched me. So I have two things. One is which I get the people ask, like, you're in this crowd. Like, of course people are going to touch you. Like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. So there must have been something special about a woman's touch that Jesus recognized. <laughs> Second. Okay. <laughs> I wonder how Jesus said it. Like, so he's in the crowd. Was he like, you know, like, who touched me? Or was he like, who touched me? Like, like turned around and was boisterous. I know we want to believe. dramatic. Though. Yeah, like, I know, I know, like, as far as I was growing up, Jesus was very like patient and meek, but he definitely flipped over some tables in the synagogue. So like this behavior would not be uncommon to Jesus. And my thoughts. Um, I am suspicious of base and my suspicion of my, or my interpretation of the text looking at it. Uh, I can say, I think it was a calm demeanor, um, based off the woman coming forth. Um, I would. Oh, this is Richard Park too. No, my, uh, you you should show. Yeah, and I, then, I and then I, I, I see he, he was like, "Who touched?" Like I was like, "Who touched me?" I don't know. I don't know like not, not irritated, mm -hmm. but wondering. And then because if he would have acted the fool, 
somebody probably would have said something crazy to him because the disciples they just like yo what do you mean who touch you all these people are touching right, you right, right, right. everybody is thronged as king james would say thonged uh <laughs> or closely to to him <laughs> stay here ct don't go <laughs> stay here um everybody they like yo what do you mean who touch you when you're in a crowded space yeah. um and, and so i believe it wasn't in a in an aggressive manner in which he posed the question it was in a in a manner where the disciple was like this dude tripping and the woman was like let me come forward mm. right so that that's that's my perspective go ahead richard so I'm always trying to check my 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 biases, right? Because I think Jesus knew exactly who touched him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, y'all know that phrase like I'm playing chestnut checkers, yeah. right? I feel like we oftentimes Jesus is asking questions he already knows the answers to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about when you see miracles and stuff happening in the Bible, it's not just about who the miracle is happening to, it's also about the audience. Mm. Right? Um this whole story with the woman with the issue of blood, right, is all of that also helps strengthen Jairus's faith, right, mm. so that he can take this walk t- mm. towards his dead daughter, mm-hmm. right? I think Jesus knew um, and that he asked who touched him because it put the onus on her to have to come forward. Um, yeah. She came in secret, right? Um, mm. he, didn't, he didn't look at her and watch her touch him, right? Um, he asked who touched me. So um, I think that um, he knew in my mind, right? I'm checking my biases uh, in, 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 in my eisegesis, right? All right. So, so <laughs> I, I I feel like he knew and that he was setting the scene for what was about to happen next, mm-hmm. right? That then she had to come forward and then share her testimony in front of all of those people to see that healing was possible, right? Yep. That's what I think. She doesn't share. She doesn't share it though. She does. She speaks it. Yep, yep. She tells. She she tells the whole you dig. The whole you dig. So then with her, you made this note of um, you. She didn't know how the situation was going to go, and she did it anyway, um, stating that her faith made her whole. So she had wholehearted faith. So thinking of to your um, to your earlier point about like other people seeing it, you see. This woman come through the crowd, unclean, interacts with Jesus, gives her testimony, and is immediately healed. Mm-hmm. The the power that that has, I, so and and I'm sure like that has created other areas of conflict within her life. I know scripture talks about like doctors and like being alone, but no no man wants to marry a woman with someone who's constantly on their menstrual cycle which means she can't have children mm-hmm. which very much during that time period was the purpose of being married was to have more children um and so then you have you have all of this is wholehearted um there's a song that i learned when i was a wee child i wasn't that young i was just in school or yeah in my home church and it was it was talking about um asking jesus to speak to me Mm-hmm. And one of the lines was, um, if I could touch the hem of your garment, my life would be complete. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's what I think of with this woman with the issue of blood is just, like, if I could just touch you, I'll be I'll be whole. So that wholehearted faith. How can we touch the hem of Jesus' garment in the current day? Mm. That's a really good question. How could... Is that the only piece of the question you want me to respond to? Because you gave yeah, me a lot of yeah, parts yeah, there. Yeah, okay. yeah just okay. this is the last part, yes. How can we touch the hem of his garment in present day? Yeah. Right? Um, the key of the sermon is faith, right? Yeah. It it starts I with, live. Well, I want to live, and the focus is living in faith. <laughs> <laughs> um, touching the hem of his garment right now is having faith that... Um, in this process, Jesus is the answer. And I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know what the pieces are going to look like, yeah. um, but it's going to come from him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we knew, if, if we always knew what every step of the process would look like, 
a lot of us wouldn't go down that path, mm-hmm. right? Um, I believe that oftentimes uh, we get just enough to send us down that path, right? But mm-hmm. as you have faith on that journey, you got to trust that uh, God can keep you on that path, right? Mm-hmm. And it can get, you know, it can get dark. It can be high points, low points. It can be easy sometimes. It can be extremely difficult. Um, but it's, it's it's that ride or die mentality, mm-hmm. right? That um, if I have enough faith to take one step, then I should have enough faith to take another step mm. and I should have enough faith to continue to follow after him. Right. Um, not to jump ahead, but that whole concept of like, um, uh, holding on to Jesus hand. Right. Mm-hmm. And just walking down that path with him. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then this, this part where you transitioned pastor, you said this and I loved this. You talked about faith. So as Rich was talking about, like, the faith that made them whole. But, like, faith is the bucket of power lowered by the rope of prayer Bro, to so the cold. well of God's abundance. That was so cold. What? <laughs> I, what? I was yeah. like, oh. I had to, like, pause it, rewind it. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I got all of that. Um, I'm sure we could spend a whole podcast just breaking each of those lines down. I don't want to do that. But you did say the part about what we what we bring up is based off what we send down. What we send down. Yeah. Can you expound on that more? Yo, um, life period requires big faith. Mm-hmm. And in these two moments in which we're preaching about, the people wanted to live. And if we want to be stingy with our faith or as Richard was talking about we want to trust God for one step and not step two mm-hmm. um, we're going to get out what we put in so if I'm really going to trust God I got to let everything go mm. I got to really have faith in this entire process uh, and this is where uh, like the sermon just was rolling together right because he was gyrus um, who came to Jesus, asked him to heal, just touch his daughter and she'll be made whole. And Jesus agrees to go with him. Mm-hmm. But while he's walking with Jesus, a messenger come from the house and say, hey, leave the master alone. Your daughter is dead. Right? Jairus had to make a decision there if he wanted to keep walking with Jesus. Mm. Or tell Jesus, don't worry about it. Right? He had to make that decision Mm -hmm. because what he asked for initially is now obsolete. Because he just wanted his daughter to be healed from a sickness. Now she's dead. So now Jesus got to elevate the the level of miracle. (laughs) So his faith now must change. Mm -hmm. I know the Bible tells us we need we don't gonna have the faith the size of a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. We can move mountains. But I say this: um, your level of faith should increase with your relationship with God. Mm. At some point, you should at least have a tennis ball worth of faith, okay. a football, mm-hmm. a bowling ball. You feel what I mean? Yeah. The big ball they drop. For New Year's. Year's. (laughs) You need to get to that place. That's the goal. That's the goal. Because you should mature every every obstacle, every trial, every challenge, or just whatever happens in your life should be able to increase your faith. Mm. I call these moments faith-building blocks. That when life happens... It should be able to stack on top of each other and build your faith up, right? Build your faith up. Constantly, whatever you're going through helps to build your faith. And the more faith you have Mm -hmm. using the rope of prayer in the well of God's abundance, the bigger the bucket, the bigger the faith, the more blessings you're able to Mm -hmm. obtain because you trust God on that level. You trust God to a point where the one with the issue of blood says, yo, I'm just going to touch the hem of his garment. That's what she said to herself. Yeah. 
Nobody can say, hey, go touch Jesus, him, and you'll be healed. Mm-hmm. She said, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. Yeah. Jairus go to Jesus, heard about his miracles, say, hey, uh, if you come touch my daughter, I know she'll be healed. She'll be made whole. Messenger come, your daughter is dead. Leave him alone. It took more faith to continue to walk with Jesus mm. than to approach him in the first place. Yeah. I'm, I feel like shouting right now. <laughs> Shaita. You, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. It took more faith for him to continue to walk with Jesus after his daughter is dead when she was sick when he first approached her. Mm-hmm. He could have complained, said, yo, if you would never stop for that woman, yep. maybe we would have made it on time for my daughter. Uh-huh. You stop for a woman, you don't even know her name. Still. We still don't still know her still name. Don't know her name. <laughs> and you stop for her, and if we would have never stopped, my daughter may have still be alive. But the Bible says Jesus looked at him and said, be not afraid, yeah. only believe. Jesus totally, di- I'm, am I preaching? Um, Jesus totally disregards the message from the messenger in a way as to say, Jairus, keep looking at me. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about what he said. Keep your focus on me. You know why you came to me. You came to me with faith. You came to me believing if I touch your daughter, she'll be healed. Keep your attention on me. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Watch this. Jesus never says anything to the messenger. Not at all. He don't even acknowledge that he's there or that he has said anything to Jairus. He says, Jairus, I got to get my preacher. <laughs> don't be afraid. Only believe. And I think that's a message for all of us. When we face with trials and tribulations and troubles, when we're faced with distress, disappointment, discontentment, when we're faced with those things, keep your eye on Jesus. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Continuing what we're talking about, faith. Yeah. Because you, it takes a large amount of faith to walk with Jesus when he has not done what you've asked him to do mm. yet. You hear? You hear what I'm saying? It takes a large amount of faith because Jairus, he went to Jesus to heal his daughter. Jesus said, yes, I'll heal her. A woman interrupted, delayed Jesus. His daughter dies. But the delay was a demonstration. Mm -hmm. As Richard talked about already, the delay was a demonstration to show him the power that he has just in his hymn. If he got that much power in his hymn, imagine his touch. That was hot right there, not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, faith, faith is it's big. It's, it's what huge. we live off. It, it, no, because we, we wasn't there. We don't know if these stories are true based off eyewitness accounts. Now, Joe, Josephus is, you know, he's saying, yo, yeah, all this stuff happened. But we have to have faith today to believe that they happened. Mm-hmm. And not only believe that God did it back then, but believe that he's able to do it right now. Mm-hmm. That transit, that translation of faith, seeing it in the different contexts. I see it happen in the Bible. Yeah, of course they have faith. They mm-hmm. But how then in thinking of but how does that apply to me? I'm in a very different um, time period. Right. Uh, which I think, which then leads to point four. Which y'all, he pastor usually has three points. So the fact that he had five. He's expanding on the new year. It was 16, no, it was sixteen verses. <laughs> it, yeah, it was a lot of verses, and it was a tag team. I only had one. Desperate, both of us had desperate. We had two and a half each. Yeah, like that. so both of us had desperate. Desperate, both of us had facing in the process. So about almost three. Mm, three each. Two and a half. Not three total. Two, two and a half. half. <laughs> <Anyway>. Dang. <laughs> anyway. Be monitoring my movements. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the fourth point is evaluating your circle of friends. And I looked, looking at both people, the woman with the issue of blood, she had no friends. Mm-hmm. She, there was nobody around her. No one was helping to push her through. Thinking of, in comparison to the crippled man where he had the four people mm-hmm. that lowered him down, he had support. She had no support within all of that. So thinking about what those relationships were. And then Jairus had folks around him, which... Could have been, yes, people, which I'm sure as a pastor, you have a lot of those. I would just assume based off of your position that there are people 
that you have met that are yes people. And so then... I need some... You need some yes people? I need some people to do something. Oh, you need do people. Oh, my fault. Yeah. Not, not some people to agree with you. You need oh, do yeah. people. So lip service is not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway. <laughs> Pastor's looking for volunteers. <laughs> Workers, yeah. So, um... So then on the other side, you ha- he has these people, and he has a family, and he has the support. So it's like, but they still doubted him. Right. So the, the thought of evaluating your circle where the woman with the issue of blood may have seen Jairus as, wow, like he has people around him. And Jairus could have been like, I would much rather been alone. I'm speculating completely. Right. But just thinking of how can we, what are some tools that we can look at our circles and bring the pieces in that we need and remove the ones that we don't. So, so if if you look at the text, um, Jesus is with disciples, normally 12 of them and him. And before he ever goes in the house, he separates. Like, um, you can't go, you can't go, you can't go. Peter, James, and John, let's go. Because they didn't believe yet. So Jesus ultimately evaluates his circle first. For real. He leaves them, other disciples outside because they their faith had not matured yet to the level to believe that he can raise the dead. Right? Then Jesus gets in the house, and when he gets in the house, he said, uh, the people are weeping and wailing, right? Mm-hmm. They acting the fool. And that's a normal reaction to a child dying, 12-year-old child dying. It's going to be a lot of crying. That's a normal reaction. But Jesus said, yo, y'all got to go. Because y'all not believing. But then you look at the human reaction, right? You got to have strong faith. Jairus walked with them, right? Mm -hmm. Jairus is still with them and believing that he can. Because he said, don't be afraid. Only believe. But everybody else, y'all got to get out because uh, not because of your tears, but because of your faith. Mm. All right. Um, Jesus, in his own town of Nazareth, he said a prophet is not welcome in his own hometown. While Jesus is in his own hometown, the people don't believe that he is the savior, um, the Christ, the chosen one, the anointed one. And the Bible said he couldn't do many miracles there. He healed a few sick bodies mm-hmm. and he left. Not because of his ability, but because of their lack of faith. Faith hinders miracles. Mm. Lack of faith. Lack of faith yeah. hinders miracles. And Jesus was suggesting, I'm about to do something major in here. And I need everybody in the room to believe that I'm able. I should have preached that. Day. I you, gave him two sermons. I just want everybody to know he's got two sermons. Yo, I need everybody in the room yeah. to believe yeah. I'm able. And that's and that's the type of people that so that when you evaluate your circle, yes, you're gonna have that friend that you're gonna party with. You need a friend like that that's gonna turn up no matter what. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, it may be you. Um, and then <laughs> then you need that friend, you know, that's going to be there no matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter what, they're going to be with you. Then you need a friend, you know, that going to put their hair in the ponytail, put some Vaseline on, take their earrings off, put on gym shoes, because they're going to fight yeah. with you or for you. Mm-hmm. But make sure you have a friend that has enough faith that to pray with you and pray you through some things. Mm-hmm. Especially when you feel as if you can't pray for yourself. So you got to make sure you're evaluating your circle. That it's not just the turn up all the time. It's not the fighting all the time. It's not uh, just the person that's there for you all the time. But I think it it need all of them. Mm. Right? Because, you know, we live in a society that everybody that we meet are not going to be Christian. And just because someone's not Christian, I mean, we need to just throw them to the side. It might be good people and but as long as we allow when our light shine we'll bleed on instead of blend in yeah and that's what we want to do is transform people's lives into christianity yes but you need to make sure you have some friends that have enough faith to get a prayer through mm. so 
So in the interest of time, I'm going to leave the last kind of note, and I want you two to expound on it from the vantage point of your person, but then also from um, your experience and just some points to leave with the people. So the last point is about holding on to the hand of Jesus. So what are, what are some, what's the biggest takeaway here um, from your study of the text, and then how can people take carry that with them? Um, as they go. Mm. Ask that question one more time. I, I gotta, I gotta think about it differently because by the time we get to that point, uh, the woman is no longer in the text, right? So it's not like I can, I can feed from the text there, but I can give. Okay, some, so some then, so maybe. if we back up, so the, so for you, so we back up. The woman touches him, gives her testimony. She's immediately healed. Goes. For her, what can we take away? from that from even like the last piece of like immediately healed in her and her leaving the story uh and what how can we apply that to what we are doing in our present day in our relationship with jesus mm. um i think i know a decent amount of people who um ask god for things right they ask God to heal. They ask God for money and whatever and mm-hmm. all these different type of things, right? And they want a genie, right? Like they, they don't want a master. They want a genie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they they want <laughs> essentially a spiritual yes man. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, and that is not the process of having faith, right? If I, if, 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 if I only choose to call and walk on uh walk with Jesus when I, I need something I'm missing out, right? Mm-hmm. It's that it's that it's that willingness to continue um to walk and to have faith, right? Whether he does what I ask him for in that moment, uh whether he does it five years from now, mm-hmm. or if that's not in his will, he does something else to still walk, right? Um but it's about continuing to have faith. Um, in Jesus in that process, right? And so um, we see in this text immediately um, her, her, her rewards, her faith came immediately, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's not always the case, right? It's not going to happen in that moment every single time, but a reward will come, mm. right? That is a guarantee. A reward will come. Is it the thing that you're looking for every single time? No, but it's faith in the fact that uh, uh, God said he'll never leave me nor forsake me, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that God loves me so much he knows the amount of hairs on the top of my head, right? The fact that uh, he had plans for me, right, um, and, and, and and knew before I was formed in my mother's womb, like, what what he had for me, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's that mindset of, like, I'm going to walk and have faith that the how is not half as important as the who. It's always faith in Jesus and then to let God do what he got. Yeah, so I was looking at this and initially um, when I, I when we came up with it, I was just looking at Jesus holding the hand of the girl. The Bible said, and he took her by the hand and immediately she arose. So I was like, if we're going to live, if we want to live, we got to hold on to the hand of Jesus. But then you know, after we preached it Saturday, I went back and looking at Jairus' life, Jairus was the one holding on to Jesus' hand, mm. right? Um, I see him walking to Jesus, and I and the picture I'm seeing, and I don't know, he's holding Jesus' hand on his way to the house. Probably not figuratively, uh, I mean, not physically, but, like not physically, but yeah. spiritually, he's holding there's no other no greater comfort than a child to hold the hand of the one that's going to provide for you mm-hmm. um when 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 people walk down the aisle they hold hands right when when people walk in the church for funerals they hold hands and and and, and the comfort you get from the person hand you're holding in that moment it comes you um, it gives you comfort. And I think that was Jairus 
holding Jesus' hand all the way to the house, all the way through the process, all the way until his daughter uh, is has come back to life because he learned how to hold Jesus' hand in that moment when he could have let go mm-hmm. when his daughter died, but he decided to keep holding on to his hand spiritually. And we do that through our relationship with God. We do that intentionally where we're constantly in communication with them, constantly um, connecting to them, constantly involved in spiritual disciplines of prayer, Bible study, worship, service, um, fasting, constantly in spiritual disciplines saying, I'm holding on to your hand and I'm not going to let go. And so I think uh, in life, all of us, we must ensure that we have our hands in God's hand um, spiritually, right? And where, you know, we, we look at God and say, I'm going to hold on. and I'm not going to let go um, no matter what happens. And so if we know we're holding his hand, we'll be safe no matter where we are. Great. Thank you. Thanks, both of you. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, continue to check us out on our website, mtzlife.com. Uh, and keep checking back for more content. And until then, stay marvelous, fabulous, and blessed. Peace. <laughs>